The Piling Pay Dirt Podcast with Scott Lasher. Welcome back to the Piling Pay Dirt Podcast. Last week's games were super fun to watch. Florida State pulled out an OT victory over Clemson, covering the spread in an absolute thriller. Alabama was able to write the course against Ole Miss, winning that game 24-10. And Notre Dame was unable to hold on to a late lead, losing the game to Ohio State on a walk-off touchdown, creating an instant classic in the process. Honestly, that Florida State game was one of the best I've watched in recent memory. And the Notre Dame game was an absolute thriller in its own right. I knew last week's games were going to be fun, but wow, what a week. That was awesome. Now week five is around the corner. Things are starting to take shape in the college football world. Players and coaches are in mid-season form. New faces are starting to look familiar. And we have a solid slate of games to indulge in this Saturday. I'm going to cover three games at three separate time slots. One at noon, one at six o'clock, and one at 7.30. The first game is going to be the Florida Gators and the Kentucky Wildcats. Then at 6, we have Ole Miss versus LSU. And then at 7.30, we wrap up the night with Notre Dame and Duke. Let's get into the noon game, Florida at Kentucky. This noon matchup is between SEC opponents, and this matchup is very important for each program's seasons going forward. Both teams are 1-0 in conference play. Kentucky is unbeaten on the season, currently 4-0. And the Florida Gators are ranked number 22 despite having a loss on their record at 3-1. A win for Kentucky here not only means they remain unbeaten, but it would likely mean a number next to their name next week. For Florida, a win here keeps them on course after they had problems getting out of the gate with a loss in week 1 to Utah. Kentucky is currently the slightest of home favorites at 1 point, and the total is sitting at 44.5 points. So let's break down this matchup, and as always, I'll provide some betting picks at the end. Let's start with Kentucky. Kentucky has been dominated in this matchup for the last three decades. Florida won every game from 1986 to 2017, but we may be entering a new era for the Wildcats. They've won three of the last five meetings, including the last two, so a win on Saturday will give them three wins in a row, and that will make headways into this new era where they're competing with Florida on a consistent level instead of just getting beat down for 30 years straight. Kentucky comes into this matchup with high hopes, though. They're 4-0 on the season. Their four wins have come against Ball State, Eastern Michigan, Akron, and Vanderbilt. They've won all four of those games by at least 10 points, and they're currently scoring an average of 38 points a game to only 15 allowed. Their first four opponents aren't exactly the best in college football, but they did exactly what you should do against opponents like that. Win in convincing fashion. This is their first real test against a Florida team that has had to open the year against a very strong Utah team, and they're a week removed from the upset win against Tennessee. It's fair to say that the Gators are more battle-tested, and that win against Tennessee has to give them loads of confidence heading into this matchup against Kentucky. The offense for Kentucky has been propelled by a strong running game. They are currently running for an average of 5.5 yards a carry as a team, and the run game is led by senior running back Ray Davis. He's averaging 6.3 yards a carry with 314 yards and 5 touchdowns. This Gator defense is elite against the pass. They rank number 1 in the SEC, but they are 20th in the FBS in rush defense, allowing 94 yards a game on the ground. It's not like this tells a story of a bad defense. They're actually fifth nationally in total production. But Kentucky will need to keep pounding the rock this week successfully to win against Florida. Talking about the pass game, the Wildcats have plenty of targets. A lot of people touch the ball. 
Tavion Robinson leads the team in catches, yards, and touchdowns with 16 receptions for 283 and 3 touchdowns. Barry and Brown has 15 catches for 214 and a touchdown. And Dane Key has 13 catches for 196 yards and 2 touchdowns. Running back Ray Davis has caught the ball of the backfield as well. He has 10 catches for 137 yards and 2 touchdowns to add on to his impressive rushing stats. Tight end Jordan Dingle has been efficient, amassing 105 yards on only 5 catches. Now let's talk about the quarterback, Devin Leary. He has completed 73 of 124 pass attempts, that's just under 59% completion, for 1,060 yards, 9 touchdowns, to 5 interceptions. He has thrown a pick in each of the 4 games so far, and he threw 2 last week against Vandy. 5 picks in 4 games is tough, especially when it comes against the talent Kentucky has played so far. So it goes without saying, the interceptions are a glaring concern, especially heading into a game against one of the best secondaries in college football. I mean, really one of the best defenses overall in college football. So Leary will have to protect the ball this week and play a lot smarter if Kentucky wants to win. On the other side of the ball, though, the defense has looked solid, especially against the run. They have also been able to generate turnovers, which is in part why Leary's interceptions have yet to be catastrophic. The defense has allowed an average of 314 yards per game, that's 215 through the air, and only 77 on the ground. This unit also has three forced fumbles and four picks. Defensive back Maxwell Hairston has accounted for one forced fumble and three of those interceptions. He also took two of those picks to the house for pick sixes. The defense has also been solid at generating pressure. Linebacker Trevin Wallace has got to the quarterback four times so far, and you'll hope to hit the Gator quarterback Graham Mertz early and often in this matchup. This Kentucky team is solid. The defense is stout, the running game is physical and effective, and they have been able to move the ball through the air. They just cannot afford to throw picks in this game. The Gators are too good to beat while making mistakes. Let's get into talking about the Gators now. Quarterback Graham Mertz might be the real deal. I'm not going to lie, I doubted him, but he's currently completing 77% of his passes for 951 yards, and he has four touchdowns to one interception. He's also backed by a very strong running game that no doubt makes his life easier. This offense has looked great the last four weeks. Trevor Etienne and Montreal Johnson are the two-headed monster out of the backfield for Florida. Etienne has produced 329 yards and two touchdowns on 49 carries, while Johnson has ran the ball 46 times for 211 yards and three touchdowns. Each back will also catch passes. Etienne has seven catches for 46 yards, and Johnson has six for 58 and a touchdown. If it's not one of those guys out of the backfield, look out for Ricky Persall. On the outside at receiver, he has been Mertz's favorite target with 26 catches for 362 yards and a touchdown. That's an average of almost 14 yards a catch for Persall, and there's a few guys behind him as well. Wide receivers Eugene Wilson and Caleb Douglas, as well as tight end Jonathan Odom, round out the rest of the targets for Mertz. They have combined for 30 catches for 275 yards and a touchdown. This offense has looked like a well-oiled machine since the loss to Utah in Week 1, and the defense has looked good the whole time. No one has looked good against this defense, including Tennessee. Even in the loss to Utah, they held the Utes to 3.5 yards a carry, and the Utes are a running team that is currently averaging 165 yards a game on the ground. 
The talent on defense for the Gators is abundant. Big names on that side of the ball include linebackers Scooby Williams and Shamar James. The pair have combined for 46 total tackles, and safety Jordan Castell has recorded 24 total tackles himself. This team could get to the quarterback more. They haven't been bad at it, but the defense is so good everywhere else that that may be the next step toward making this team a true title contender. Another area the defense could improve on is generating turnovers. They have only one interception and one forced fumble on the season. But they have a golden opportunity to add to that this week, going up against a quarterback who has thrown five picks in four games so far. This will be the second time on the road for the Gators. They dropped their only away game this season against Utah in Week 1. And there is no doubt that the Gators have a home crowd that truly does affect opposing teams. We saw that when Tennessee traveled to the Swamp two weeks ago. They'll have to beat Kentucky this week without their home crowd behind them, and the Wildcats faithful will be in full force in support of their guys. This game is deeper than the stats. This rivalry has been dominated by Florida since 1986. The Gators did not lose a single game in this matchup from 1986 to 2017, but the tides may be turning. The Gators lost three of the last five in this matchup, including the last two, so Kentucky can make it three in a row and change the way this game is perceived by the public. This is going to be a great game. Kentucky will have to play their best football to remain unbeaten, but a win here would be massive for the program. For Florida, if they can keep it rolling as they have for the last four weeks and come out with a victory, they will move to 4-1 on the season, remain in the top 25, and stay unbeaten in conference play. That will keep the larger goals for this season alive, like competing for an SEC title or for the college football playoffs. This is a game that's important for both programs. It's going to be a hell of a matchup. Let's get into my betting picks. On DraftKings, Graham Mertz over one and a half touchdown passes is currently at plus 160. Mertz has only thrown one touchdown pass in each of his first four games this season, but the value on him to throw two this week is just far too high to pass up, so I have Mertz to throw two touchdown passes. I also have Ricky Persall over his receiving yards. It's currently at 65.5. I'd play that to 70. I also like Persall to score a touchdown. The Gators love to get this guy the ball, and he rewards them with effective yardage. With that being said, though, he's only found the end zone once this season, but I expect touchdown number two to come this Saturday. Finally, I'm taking the Florida Gators to win outright. I don't see the value in taking plus one. Just take the Gator money line. I think the Florida defense will be too much for Kentucky, and I think out of the gates, this level of competition will be a shock for the Wildcats. They may start to figure it out after half, but it won't be enough. This is a Gator win. Book it. Alright, that's it for Florida and Kentucky. Next, we have Ole Miss and LSU at 6 o'clock. And now... The LSU Tigers take on Ole Miss. Alright, for this next matchup, we have Ole Miss and LSU at 6 o'clock. I usually pick a 3.30 game for the second game of the day, but this game just could not be ignored. This is likely the game of the week. This matchup is between ranked SEC West rivals, both of which come into this game at 3-1. LSU is favored by 2.5 points, and the total is sitting at 67.5. LSU is leading in the SEC West currently. They are 2-0 in conference play with wins against Mississippi State and Arkansas. Ole Miss dropped their only conference game last week to Alabama. They cannot lose their second in a row if they want to compete for an SEC title at the end of the year. The losses for these teams could not have come against tougher opponents though. LSU lost to the undefeated Florida State in Week 1 
and Ole Miss lost once again to Alabama. This is a great head-to-head matchup. Let's get into it, starting with LSU. This is my third time covering LSU this so far this year, and I can say confidently they are one of the best teams in college football. They are led by Heisman candidate Jaden Daniels. He is the Tiger signal caller, and he is the lifeblood of this offense. He is a guy you can count on to get the job done when the going gets tough. He can hurt defenses with his arm and his legs. He is currently completing 72% of his passes on 124 attempts with 1,296 yards, 12 touchdowns to two interceptions, and he has ran the ball 45 times for 193 yards and two touchdowns. The guy is electric. Daniels doesn't do it on his own, though. He has two of the best receivers in college football in Malik Neighbors and Brian Thomas. They have been a defensive nightmare this season. Neighbors has caught 32 passes for 523 yards and 5 touchdowns, while Thomas has 25 catches, 413 yards, and 5 touchdowns of his own. The running game is led by running back Logan Diggs. He has ran for 253 yards and a touchdown on 38 attempts so far this year. You'll also see Josh Williams, Caleb Jackson, and Noah Kane carry the rock for the Tigers. This offense has put up a whopping 542 yards a game this year, and that comes with 42 points a game. 338 yards are coming through the air, and 191 are coming on the ground. This is a product of a balanced attack backed by a defense who can get the job done. The defense hasn't exactly posted stats that would put them among the best in the nation, but the big-name players on that side of the ball are abundant. I mean, there's almost... Too many names to go through on this defense, but guys like Major Burns, Greg Penn, Zai Alexander, Andre Sam, Harold Perkins are among talents that could play on Sundays. The Tigers are 63rd in total defense nationally, 50th against the run, and 82nd against the pass. I will say, giving up 31 points to Arkansas last week is a bit of a concern, but the Razorbacks are a solid football team and they're capable of putting up points. When LSU lost to Florida State, the defense gave up 45 points in that game. So I'm just wondering if this is evidence that when the defense plays a high-powered offense, they give up a lot of points. They can't have that this week because Ole Miss is absolutely a high-powered offense. Let's talk about the Rebels. Ole Miss is coming off a tough loss to Alabama. The Lane Kiffin-led Rebels have had a terrible time against the Tide. And that didn't change last week. Star quarterback Jackson Dart had the worst outing of the season last week. He was unable to throw for a touchdown, he threw an interception, but he did account for the team's only score when he ran one in. Dart is a good quarterback, there's no doubt. He is completing 63% of his passes for over 1,000 yards, 7 touchdowns to 2 interceptions, and he's maybe more dangerous on the ground. He has 219 yards on 44 attempts and 3 touchdowns. I almost feel like it's worth ignoring last week against Bama. The Rebels cannot beat Bama. Kiffin cannot beat Saban. But that doesn't mean that the Rebels are not a good football team. It's just they can't beat the Tide. Ole Miss scored 10 points against the Tide but are averaging 42 a game this season. The offense is super high-powered and rarely are they grounded like they were last week. I think the offense will have a bounce-back performance against the Tigers, but will it be enough? Receivers Jordan Watkins, Dayton Wade, and if he is available, Trey Harris will be Dart's main targets on Saturday. Harris is listed as questionable currently, but Ole Miss will really hope to have his production on Saturday, and I do think he will play. Their running back, Quinshawn Jukins, 
he has been solid enough, rushing for 201 yards, four touchdowns on 57 carries, but Jackson Dart remains the team's leading rusher. Defensively for the Rebels, it's not as bright, but that's not a secret, and it's really not a problem. This team wins with their offensive firepower. The Rebel defense has allowed 378 yards a game this year and 18 points. 226 of those yards came through the air and 125 on the ground. Aside from Bama, their competition has not been the stiffest, but I think it's a tough enough schedule to know who this team is. I mean, they played Tulane, they played Georgia Tech. Those aren't exactly pushover teams, but they're not LSU. Talking about some key players on defense for the Rebels, safeties Trey Washington and John Saunders are among the best safety duos in the nation. They'll have to play a good game on Saturday to limit Jaden Daniels and this Tigers offense. The linebackers for the Rebels are also very solid, and they have a D-line that can cause problems for opposing offenses. If these groups can limit LSU's ability to run the ball and get in the face of Daniels, they absolutely could win this game. Both defenses have shown weakness this year, and both offenses have shown the ability to light up the scoreboard. If both teams play at their best, it should be a high-scoring shootout, but I think it's really going to come down to which of these defenses can rise to the occasion on Saturday and make the bigger plays to stop these high-powered offenses. Regardless, this is going to be a great game with tons of offensive fireworks. Here are my picks. I like Jaden Daniels over two and a half touchdown passes. That is at plus 130 on DraftKings, and Daniels has not let me down yet, so I'm not passing up on the value there. I also like Brian Thomas over his receiving yards. It's at 69.5 right now. I'd play that to 75. And Brian Thomas is also going to score a touchdown on Saturday, so book him for an anytime touchdown. I also like Jackson Dart to score a touchdown for the Ole Miss Rebels. Book him for an anytime touchdown as well. And now finally, I am backing the LSU Tigers to cover minus 2.5 in this game. I think the LSU defense will make enough plays to allow for its offense to outscore Ole Miss. And as much as I expect this to be a close game throughout, I think LSU is going to do enough, and I have no problem backing them to cover a field goal. That's it for the Ole Miss and LSU game. We have one more game to cover. That one is going to start at 7.30. It is between Notre Dame and Duke. And now, the game of the night. The Fighting Irish take on the Duke Blue Devils. Okay, this last game that I'm going to cover is between Notre Dame and Duke. Duke is the home team this week. It's going to start at 7.30. Notre Dame comes in as 5.5 point favorites, and the total is sitting at 53.5 points. This game is between top 20 opponents. Notre Dame comes in at number 11 with a record of 4-1 after dropping a heartbreaker at Ohio State last week on a walk-off touchdown. For Duke, they're coming in ranked 17, and they are looking great this season. They are 4-0, and man, have they been taking care of business. They beat Clemson in Week 1 in convincing fashion, 28-7. They beat an FCS school the following week, 42-7. They beat Northwestern, 38-14. And they smacked UConn last week, 41-7. Duke's first four games haven't been against the toughest of opponents, but Clemson is among the best teams in college football, despite having two losses. There is not much you can say about the Blue Devils that isn't a compliment, but Notre Dame is on a higher tier than even Clemson this year, so... This will be the biggest test so far. 
Notre Dame was that close to staying undefeated. A last-second touchdown stopped them from beating an Ohio State team that is good enough to win the Natty this year. The Irish will be looking for redemption this week, and Duke is looking to prove that they are the real deal. Let's talk about the Irish. In the loss to Ohio State last week, the Irish defense looked great. Ohio State has one of the best offenses in the nation, they likely have the best two receivers in the nation, and Notre Dame held them to 17 points. It really came down to one play from the goal line at the last second. The loss last week is a heartbreaking defeat, there is no question about it, but the Irish know who they are. They know they are a good football team and they know they have to bounce back this week to leave last week's loss in the rear view and get back to competing for a spot in the college football playoffs. Quarterback Sam Hartman has led this Notre Dame offense in a big way. Last week wasn't the best game for Hartman, but he still completed 70% of his passes for 175 yards and a touchdown to no interceptions. Overall, Sam Hartman has looked great this year, and even with last week's loss, he has a chance for the Heisman Trophy. He is completing 70% of his passes on the year for 1,236 yards, 14 touchdowns, and no interceptions. Behind Hartman is an elite runner in Audric Estime. He has had a great year on the ground, running for 7.5 yards a carry, 591 yards in total to 5 touchdowns. Tackling Estime has a negative effect on the defense. It is just something you do not want to do. It doesn't look fun. It can't be fun. He is big and physical, and he just does not stop coming. Defenses think twice. As far as targets for Hartman, plenty of people touch the ball on this offense, but I'd say Chris Tyree and Jaden Thomas headline the receiver group. Jaden Greathouse has also had a solid year with 12 catches for 166 yards and 3 touchdowns. Mitchell Evans has been good from the tight end spot as well. He has 12 catches for 138 yards. Last week, Hartman needed big plays out of his receivers, and it didn't happen. They'll have to rise to the occasion this week because the Blue Devil defense is no joke. The Irish offense has put up 485 points a game and 39 points, and the attack has been balanced with 278 yards through the air and 198 on the ground. Defensively for the Irish, this unit has looked great, even in the loss last week. On the season, this unit has allowed 273 yards a game and just under 13 points per game. Of those yards, 149 came through the air and 111 came on the ground. This defense has something few teams in college football have, and that is two corners who are NFL ready. Cam Hart and Benjamin Morrison proved that last week when they held down probably the best receiving core in the country. And the Blue Devil receivers are not even close to the level of the Buckeyes pass catchers. I can't imagine Duke will light up the scoreboard against the Irish after the way they held their own against Ohio State. But the Devils have some firepower of their own and a great defense of their own. So let's talk about Duke. Duke quarterback Riley Leonard showed right out of the gate that he is one of the most dynamic playmakers in the country. In week one against Clemson, he was great, and he has continued to be great. He is completing 67% of his passes for 778 yards and two touchdowns. But what defenses are more scared of is his running ability. He has ran it for 238 yards on 29 attempts and four touchdowns. But it's not just Leonard. Running backs Jordan Waters and Jaquez Moore have each been productive on the ground. Waters has 258 yards and a whopping 7 touchdowns, while Moore has 184 yards and 2 touchdowns. The Blue Devils have another playmaker named Moore, 
Jordan Moore, the receiver, he has 20 catches for 246 yards and two touchdowns. The other leading receiver is wide receiver Jalen Calhoun. He has 20 catches for 258 yards and a touchdown. As a team, the Blue Devils have been able to put up 426 yards a game. That's 224 through the air and 200 on the ground for 37 points per game. This team can absolutely put up points and this team can absolutely pound the rock. They have three different rushers who have all been extremely productive this season. So the Notre Dame defense is going to be challenged to stop this Duke running game and continue to be elite against the pass. I think the Notre Dame defense will make it very hard to pass against them, but Duke is more than capable of winning with their run game. If they can run the ball effectively enough, that could open up the pass game, but I'm not sure if it'll matter. This run game is solid for the Blue Devils. For Duke, the real story here is their defense. They have allowed 287 yards a game, under 9 points a game, 133 of those yards have come on the ground, and 143 have come through the air. The defensive line for Duke is nasty. They can cause problems for an offense before it can get going, and with that being said, the Irish O-line has looked shaky at times this year. But last week, the Irish O-line looked solid against Ohio State, so maybe they figured it out. They will have to play a good game this Saturday to keep Hartman upright. The Duke defense has also intercepted four passes, two of which were by corner Miles Jones, and the defense has also forced three fumbles in four games. This week, Duke is playing a team that does not turn over the ball, though. So if they can get some takeaways, that could be the deciding factor here. Overall, both of these teams are really good. The defenses are stout, the offenses are dynamic, Duke will have their home crowd behind them for this game, under the lights, and they will do their best to will their team to win in a very tough situation against Notre Dame. If Duke can win this game, they will be underrated no more. This will put Duke on the map as a serious contender, whereas right now they are flying under the radar with an unbeaten record. Duke has a serious chance to compete with Florida State for the ACC title this year, but what is interesting to me is Notre Dame's history against ACC opponents. Since 2017, Notre Dame is 33-1 against ACC opponents. So, can Duke make it 33-2 this Saturday? We'll see, but here are my picks. I like Notre Dame running back Audric Estime to run for over his rush yards. It is currently at 89.5. I'd play that to 95. The Duke defense is really good, but they haven't played a running back like Estime. And when they did play a star running back in Clemson's Will Shipley, he ran for over 100 yards. The next two picks are longer shots than I usually take. Each of these TD scorers will pay more than double your stake. Take wide receiver Chris Tyree to score a touchdown. And take Notre Dame running back Jibrian Payne to score a touchdown as well. Tyree has been quieter than expected this year, but his big playability has been evident. After a down game last week, and odds like that, I can't pass it up. Take him for an anytime touchdown all day long. For Payne, this may be a case of overthinking it a bit, but running backs have scored on receptions out of the backfield against Duke on two occasions this season, and I know that doesn't seem like a lot, but they've only given up five touchdowns. Payne is the leading receiver for Notre Dame as far as running backs go, and I think he'll hit Pater this Saturday. Finally, I am taking Notre Dame to cover minus five and a half. I'd play it to minus six and a half. This Duke team is wildly underrated, and I understand that. The defense is awesome, and the run game is effective, but I honestly think the Notre Dame defense is even better. 
And I would take a Hartman-led offense over a Riley Leonard-led offense any day of the week. All right, that's it for this episode of the Piling Pay Dirt Podcast. You can find next week's episode at Piling Pay Dirt Podcast on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever else you get your podcasts. See you next week. Enjoy the games. Have a great weekend. The Piling Pay Dirt Podcast will be back next week for week six. 